It's typically not easy to have RevOps early, and it's typically not even possible to have RevOps too early in the game. But what I mean by that is, in the book, I talk about this three business stages, problem market fit, product market fit, and platform market fit. So you think about problem market fit, where you're really trying to figure out the problem and you don't know if the market is there. You really don't need to be tracking NRR and GRR and multi-product. You don't even have a product. So cool off. Your scorecard is probably like five things and that's good enough for you. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Sangram Vajri. He's the co-founder of Terminus, and he is the co-author, along with Brian Brown, of a new book titled Move, the four-question go-to-market framework. In our conversation, Sangram and I talk about go-to-market and the problems caused by an ineffective go-to-market strategy. We dive into what go-to-market really means. You know, it's a transformational, as Sangram defines it, it's a transformational process for accelerating your path to market with high-performing revenue teams, meaning marketing, sales, and customer success, all delivering a connected customer experience where every touchpoint reinforces the brand, values, and vision of your company. Or more simply put, it's your go-to-market process that connects, and I love this this phrase, go-to-market is a process that connects your company strategy to your customer outcomes. So explore why you need a clear go-to-market process to ensure that your company continues to deliver the promise of your vision to both employees and customers. And we dig into how you can implement a framework for your go-to-market strategy by answering just four questions, actually the four questions in the title of his book. So we get into all this and much, much more. But before we get to Sangram, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it. If you'd give us your feedback on how we're doing in the form of a review. So if you could just leave a review for us, we'd really appreciate it. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Sangram, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Andy. I think we've done a few of these together. We have, uh, both here and on yours. And yeah. we've, we've shared the stage together. We have shared the stage together. We have bantered on this together. We have alienated <laughs> a lot of people together. And uh, maybe this time we can bring some people together. Well, I like to think we brought people together. I mean, I was actually, I was just, so you and I spoke to shared stage at an event in Durham mm-hmm. uh, about two years ago, well, over two years ago. And I was just speaking to someone this last week who was there, who <laughs> 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 had no idea. And, uh, yeah, he kudos to your your talk. Um, he enjoyed that, so and I think he enjoyed mine. But he was maybe being polite. So, <laughs> well, if you remembered after two years, that's quite a bit of uh, good news. Yeah, that he remembered your talk. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so uh, for I mean, for people who don't know you, if there's a chance, just tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh my God. Okay. Well, we'll we'll, we'll figure out a version of this, but. Uh, uh, currently, I'm the uh, co-founder of Terminus. Uh, yep. Many people recognize that as a ABM platform. Doing well. We have 1,000 plus customers. We're 300 people now, which is crazy to think oh, about wow, in fantastic. seven years yeah. Yeah. Uh, of growth. Uh, so it's, I've learned a lot about go-to-market uh, along the ways on this, how it's different based on the different stage of the business. 
but prior to that, I ran marketing at Pardot. Uh, was acquired. Our company got acquired by Exact Target and by Salesforce. So I was at Salesforce for a couple of years. So been in Martech for the last 15 years or so, for good or worse. Uh, had written a couple of books, and uh, now I'm writing my third one, which is coming out soon. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that book. And so the book is called MOVE, capital all caps. It's an acronym, MOVE, the four-question go-to-market framework. And so what was the impetus to write the book? Honestly, I didn't want to write a book. I'll be very honest, Andy. I didn't really. want to write a book, um, especially because initially the thought was, hey, let's write another book. Because books, I mean, literally, Terminus has been built on the back of these books that I've written um, even the entire category in many ways, uh, when you write sure. a book and a whole category is there, like every day I get emails from people, hey, we just bought the book. I mean, the book has just continued to do better and better, the previous books, as the category has grown uh, and has now become a mandate for most CMOs to have ABM. So I'm not worried about ABM as a category anymore. So I'm like, I'm not writing another ABM book when people well, were saying you should write another <laughs> book. I'm like, we're done. We're done. I wrote ABM is B2B. I put a period at the end of it to end it. Uh, and <laughs> so that I don't have to do this. But uh, but what, what we started to think about, well, what's the future? What's the next version of this thing? And Andy, what's interesting is uh, the whole idea on go-to-market started coming up. And I'm like, here we go again. Another grisly term that people have all kinds of notions around. Nobody yep. really knows. Uh, you know, fine. Let me, let me just do research. So I literally used the time in COVID to hibernate and... Pick up the phone and call any and everybody, which is really what the blessing of COVID, if there is any blessing, that definitely was, where anybody was ready to talk. And I just interviewed Brian Halligan, CEO of HubSpot, to Jeffrey Moore, who is the, who's the mm -hmm. author of Crossing the Chasm, Crossing right. the Chasm uh, to Manny, CEO of Outreach, to I mean, just across the board, VC, CEO, CMO, CROs of public, non-public, fast growth, and just understanding and asking questions like, who owns it? What do you mean? What, when I say GTM, what does that mean to you? And Andy, I was blown away with the level of uh, lack of clarity there was and the, in the answers. There was just literally nothing. And I had to like pull it back, pull it back, pull it back. But finally, I think I was like, okay, well, this is messy enough topic to write about. And every research I've done, go to market, talked about either product launch or channel launch. It really right. never talked about what I've understood as go-to-market, or at least what I believe was how marketing, sales, and customer success work. Like, that's your revenue team, how they drive business. So, it literally, I became a student of it the last year, did a whole bunch of research with 100-plus interviews, and then um, wanted to just go ahead and launch this book this year. So, yeah, I loved what you wrote about early in the book. <clears throat> this was, and we'll get into the definition of, you go to definition of go to market, but I, I just thought this was sort of a great way of a sort of encapsulating the problem, which was you said an ineffective go to market or GDM uh, causes problems. And I love this language a divide grows between the vision, hopes, and aspirations that gave birth to the company and the realities of working there. And I thought, oh my God, as a veteran of <laughs> countless startups myself, it's like, wow, that just hits you in the face. It, it, it should. It should. I mean, the reality is, Andy, and I think you have been around many companies to recognize most time the issue, uh, the, why companies fail, if you really ask why companies fail, and we could probably also talk about how do you know your go-to-market is failing, because those, those are the two things that I believe most people are struggling with. But what I found out was the reason most companies fail is not because their vision is somehow bad 
or not working. The vision is great for the most part. It's not because they don't have great people that they're hiring. A lot of times they're hiring great people, but they still fail. And I would submit to you that 99% of the companies that fail are probably failing because they don't have a great definition, understanding, and, and this, uh, the prowess of go-to-market. That's really where, how does the gears work? It's an unsexy part of the business. Nobody wants to talk about go-to-market as a, as a thing, but that's really where great businesses are born. Yeah, I mean, clearly that's the point you're making in the book. And, and, and it's, you know, there's sort of I mean, two big themes that, that you hear a lot about these days, and they seem somewhat related, is go-to-market and revenue operations. Absolutely. I think revenue operations is a big part of the MOVE framework, right? Like the MOVE, which stands for Market Operations Velocity and Expansion, the O is all about revenue operations. Uh, like, for example, at Terminus, this is where I discovered it uh, two years ago. We hired Mallory Lee, uh, who is the VP of Revenue Operations right now at Terminus. Since she came on board two years ago, Andy, every executive meeting changed. Every executive meeting starts with her. She reports into the CFO. Um, sometimes, I think in many cases, come, this person reports into either the CEO or CRO. Right. Right. And she literally runs the go-to-market meeting. She comes in and shares, like, all right, here's the go-to-market dashboard, which we have in the book. Like, people should just get it for the templates that the book is going to offer. But Right. A lot of great templates in there. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, so it's like she literally starts with the template. And, and we, over the last two years, we've finessed that where... We, as the company scale, the mark, the go-to-market scorecard scaled, and she would give like, all right, here, here's where your our company's failing, here's where our company's doing well, and here's where uh, the opportunities are, and it will go across marketing, sales, customer success, product usage, all of that, and that's a a modern go-to-market scorecard, as as I shared that in the book, and I feel right. like, oh my god, it took away all these bickering of. Who, who, who moved my cheese? Nobody has to talk about who moved your cheese. Like, nobody needs your cheese. So well, it literally took away the cheese conversation away. Well, if you could. So get into a little more detail about what the meeting feels like, right? And so, you know, Mallory said her name is, is come and runs revenue operations. So she's got her dashboard. What are the things she's looking at in the dashboard? And then how does she, you know, address the specific issues with each of the, you know, the departments? Because seems like there might still be bickering in terms of, well, this didn't happen, they're to blame, so on and so forth, finger pointing. So if you can, give us a sense of how that meeting actually unfolds. Absolutely. The meeting, really, the first 15 minutes are her minutes. Those are her time to share the state of our business. Like, it's literally a business uh, conversation. I honestly, in the last two years, haven't ever heard um, anybody complaining about numbers because she already works with all of them way before mm -hmm. and saying, hey, this is what's going to happen. No surprises here. I don't want to have this meeting where somebody said, well, argue about the number, right? Yeah, argue about the numbers. This is not that meeting. This is about where the gaps are. So she does a really good job of making everybody aware of it. Every system is connected. And now the conversation is no longer about where the problem is uh, or where, where the numbers are, but like, okay, wait a minute, one of the areas where she would track, especially as companies grow, you know that one of the most important things you should start tracking is how is your multi-product uh, engine working, more than one mm -hmm. product, right? How, mm -hmm. What is your net and gross retention rate working? You, you don't typically talk in an executive meeting about that 
unless you're looking at it holistically. And then you talk about your pipe and revenue. You should, we're also talking about product usage. Where can we see early indicators of uh, churn before it becomes mm-hmm. a real issue? So she looks at it and her team looks at it across the board and she has marketing operations reporting into her, product operations, customer success operations, sales operations. So she has visibility on everything. Every team have their own people who do it, but then her team is really the one who pulls it all together. And it really, I tell you, it's a lot of fun being in that meeting because people are all opportunistic, like, oh, that's what we need to fix as opposed to where is my cheese. And to the point, I think, it's, and this is a term that, that you know, I've heard other people use, is so what she's providing, she's providing a single source of truth that you can make decisions on. Yeah, and what, what she's also providing is, is a way to make decisions, is like I remember, and this is painful to say, and, and I think most people hopefully can relate to this. I have been in our own company and I've been on board of other companies. So I, I've seen this happen all the time. You walk into board meetings, you walk into this thing and and there is still an element of company people like not understanding each other's business, meaning each mm-hmm. function as a business. And I think what RevOps does, if, you, if it's done right, and that's a really big part of the, the, the move framework, it really helps you to make decisions. And I'll tell you, because of that first 15 minutes, we are now, the rest of the 45 minutes, sometimes it's hour and a half meeting. Uh, it, it's all about like, okay, we know the problem. We know that there's an issue here. What are we gonna do? And it comes out, the end of the meeting is about priorities and things. So I, I think it will help companies make better decisions if they start adopting RevOps. Now I will say this, and you've probably seen it in your experience, it's typically not easy to have RevOps early, and it's typically not uh, even even possible to have RevOps too early in the game. But what I mean by that is in the very early stage, in the book I talk about right. this three business stages, uh, problem market fit, product market fit, and platform market fit. So you think about problem market fit, where you're really trying to figure out the problem and we don't know if the market is there. You really don't need to be tracking NRR and GRR and multi-product. You don't even have a product. So right. cool off. Your your scorecard is probably like 10, five things. And that's that's good enough for you. And that's great. And, and we want people to think about that. But then as you move into a product market phase, now you have something that's repeatable, scalable. Now you probably should have more than one metrics, especially what you should be tracking about and we talk about in the book is average deal size, is that increasing? Pipeline mm-hmm. velocity, is that moving? Um, your winning ga- engagement in the key accounts, is that shaping up? But here and but still, you may not need all the other product usage and a, the GRR because you still are on just one product. You're just tracking at that one level, one product right. usage. But when right. you get to platform market fit, and it, that's when revenue operations, so I feel like it's a good sign is a business going in the right direction is how quickly they're starting to adopt or needing a RevOps is a good indicator of are they moving quickly enough from problem to product, product to platform. Right. So let's let's go back and tie this then directly to go to market, GDM, GTM, I'll enunciate more quickly, more, more clearly, excuse me, is because you're right, the go to market is a transformational process for accelerating your path to market with high-performing revenue teams, marketing, sales, customer success, delivering a connected customer experience everywhere. And that's such a great description where every touch point reinforces the brand values and vision of your company. So in your, in Terminus then, does RevOps own go-to-market? 
Oh, that's a great question. Who owns go-to-market? Uh, you know, as, as you've seen part of the book, that was one of the most eye-opening thing, Andy, for me. That's got me excited about writing this book, really. Because when I talk to, I'll just give you one example. Brian Halligan, who's the CEO of HubSpot, I think he just yep. stepped down to be an executive chairman. Uh, but I talked to him earlier this year as we were doing the final version of it. I'm like, what is go-to-market? How do you think about go-to-market? And he gave this amazing definition. He's like, to me, go-to-market is like a product. It, it, it's not a strategy that you go on a weekend to do something. It is a product. It is constantly moving. That's why it's called the transformational process in the book. It's, it's an ongoing thing. And he's like, and I'm like, well, so who owns it? And he said, without flinching, he said, I own it. And I'm like, Brian, you are the CEO of a public company with 100,000 customers, 12 years into it, 14 years into it. Are you, really, are you owning go-to-market? He's like, look, I am the owner of it. Who else is going to be thinking about buying new softwares? Who else is thinking about getting into new regions? Who else is thinking about figuring out and has a single point of view around what's going on in the company? Now, people execution-wise, there's a lot of people, but owning right. the idea of go-to-market is a CEO. And then I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe it's one off. Then I talked to Nick Mehta, CEO of Gainside. Then I talked to Manny, he's CEO of uh, Outreach. Then I talked right. to, you know, and it constantly. And what's interesting is, then I talked to a lot of CMOs and CROs, and they didn't think the CEO owned go to market. They thought <laughs> they owned it. And, right. and I think there comes the craziness, and that's why this book was so much fun to write because. If the ownership is not clear, then that means we're not asking the right question. And if C-level people don't know who owns it, then we got That's problems. Problem. You got problems. Well, but you and you describe it very well in the book. You say that, which makes sense that it's the CEO, because you say the go-to-market process connects your company strategy to your customer outcomes. And in my own notes, I, I bolded that because I wanted to make sure I, I kept coming back to that because... If that's the case, then yeah, the CEO owns it, right? Who else owns the company strategy? Right, and what? But here's the thing: a lot of people look at go to market in nuts and bolts. Like, so the the book started with the move framework. Like, that's where we focused on. Okay, how do you market? How do you operate? Um, you know, how do you scale your business quickly? The velocity question, and where do you grow the next? Which are really important questions. But when you talk to a CEO, they're not talking about accounts or leads or they're not talking any of this stuff. They're talking about business stage, which literally forced us to elevate the conversation to the three P's that 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 we talked about, which is problem, product, and platform market fit. Mm -hmm. But here is the question, Andy, that really, really pushes the buttons. And I'm I'm gonna just flip the mic over here on you on this one. Uh -oh. <laughs> How do you know that your go-to-market is broken? You What's your take on it? I would say churn. That's a really, really good one. I'll give you a few more. This, this, was, this, is, this is why it actually, to me, it paints. At the same time, it creates this great opportunity if everybody really looks at it. If in your organization you're having churn issue immediately, a lot of times we blame product and a lot of times we blame 
uh, the vision or the market, but really it is that, oh, you're not even selling to the right people. That's the market part. You got it wrong. Right. Maybe we're selling it wrong. So churn is, a, is probably one of the top two reasons why it happens. The other one you will see is that you always have this heroic sales pro, salesperson who comes to the end of the month and swipes <laughs> you know, a, 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 a great game, and then all of a sudden right. you kind of be on the other end, and you're like, oh, we made our numbers again. Thank you to Jimmy or, or Jill, whoever that might be. All you start seeing is that you can't really predict what's happening in the in the process like that's a that's another reason mm -hmm. why you would know that your go to market is broken so i want people to like check it like where it is like maybe maybe if when when people buy it excitedly enthusiastically but they don't renew at fast they're not seeing their roi quick enough so so those are some of the key reasons why i think companies should should, should have those telltale signs okay how do i know my go to market is broken well, if you have churn issues, if your customers are not finding ROI quickly enough, if you have heroic salespeople that somehow only magically get you on the other side of the fence, it's not worth celebrating those because that's what gets you go. That that is what will kill your business. You need to figure out that it's broken. You need to accept that and go through a therapy process and figure out how to solve for it. But the last point about you know the heroic sales people, you know, coming on the last day of the month and you know laying the deals on the table. I mean, that's endemic to the selling, right? I mean, this is, you know, the traditional hockey stick, uh, you know, on the month or the quarter or the year or whatever. Yeah. And that is painful. Like, yeah, <laughs> well, it's, I think it's completely avoidable, but I was just wondering how, how you've worked to avoid that at, at Terminus. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll tell you, this is, we, as I wrote, write this book, I'm now, I'm not at all telling the story of Terminus uh, as you have yeah, read I know, the book. Right. And you see, like we we are we are squarely in between the product platform basis right now. We're not on mm -hmm. the other end yet. Uh, we have four or five products that we have acquired through the last six seven years of our existence. So we are multi-product, but we haven't fully gone uh, to become a true full-on platform. We would like to be with a thousand plus customers, but we haven't fully done it, and we totally understand and embrace it. So this book is as much of a work for us to do as much as it is for anybody else. We're right there with everybody. But it's, so it's, it's, but it's a solvable issue. It's something that we can see the end of the tunnel. We can see the light for it. And what's interesting is the, the, the this heroic sales process happens where the predictability happens is in the last six quarters for Terminus, we were able to predict where our business is, is going to end up within the 5% mark. Wow. Yeah. When we are able to do that uh, for six quarters in a row, I believe then you actually are starting to, I mean, even if you do it for like three, four quarters in a row and, and you know, maybe you get it, you know, right the first somehow two, three, but when you do it for six quarters in a row in a growing uh, growth business, growing market, then, yeah. right, then, then I think that's when you start seeing that, okay, we have something working and we are able to now add in and layer in, but the problem still exists, which is, it, we are not out of it. We are. We don't have the last week of the quarter not doing anything. We still have the last week of the quarter doing no, a whole yeah. bunch of things. So we're How not out of it. Human nature. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so so here's here's. Uh, I like sort of the four questions you ask around move because to the point you're just making, you're saying you're seeing light at the end of the tunnel. But I think that that really with these four questions, there's never a, an end point. There right? never. Yep. So. This is around your, your acronym MOVE, Market Operations Velocity Expansion. You say four questions to start building your go-to-market framework, your go-to-market strategy. Who should we market to? That's the M. 
What do we need in order to operate effectively? Operations is the O. When can we scale, when can we scale our business? Velocity and E, where can we grow the most? And it's like, we're never perfect in any of those dimensions. So it's like always great questions to be able to ask because there's always room to do better. There absolutely is. So let's put it in a different context. Let's layer the three Ps and a move. Let's see if we can do that for audio as people are okay. listening to it. But let's just layer it. So a problem market fit company, early stage company, the way the move framework would work for them is your go-to-market team is probably your leads team right now, lead sales team, like founder-led mm -hmm. sales team. That's your go-to-market team. Like, like right. I remember selling the first 100 deals we sold at Terminus. It was me, like on yep. the call, trying to do it. So it's typically your sales or founder. That's your go-to-market team. You really don't have uh, anything else going on. And your market is TAM, right? A total addressable market. You're going yep. about any and everybody. Your operations are probably ad hoc. Um, your velocity is like reactive. What works, what doesn't. You don't really have a scale. But, and you're single threaded. Like that's your expand. You don't have more than a salesperson strategy. Totally fine. Mm -hmm. You took, take an example of HubSpot for it. HubSpot started with marketers and SMB owners. Then they mm -hmm. went and in the operations, they figured out this inbound machine with the website grader. You might remember that. Right. No, I do. Yeah. Yep, and they're and they're they had a very high churn business. Like everybody knows, they've written about it, and so their velocity was really bad. They get a lot of companies, but very high churn coming out of it. And their expansion, their whole business model was in the early stage was freemium model, right? Like everybody mm -hmm. come in free and see, check it out. That's product that, growth. Yeah, that that is all they focused on. That's a problem market scenario. Let's move to the product market scenario. This is where you start thinking about not TAM, but TRM, which is total relevant market. We're talking about segments in which your product works for the market where I mean, you just know, oh, we are now nailing it in the manufacturing space in North America for this price point. Like you just start mm -hmm. nailing that. Your operations, this is your go-to-market team now is account-based, I would say, which is sales and marketing work, working together. Mm -hmm. Your velocity is now, you're, you're not proactively going after maybe other segments. You're starting to be proactive because you have nailed that one segment really fine, really good. And then now, maybe this is where you're testing and figuring out, maybe you need to have an agency partner, maybe you need to have OEM, or maybe have more than one sales process. So taking, an, again, HubSpot as an example, they nailed the product market fit came to them when they had marketing automation as a pace. They're like, oh, this is what we're solving for. They acquired, uh, you might remember, Performable to get into the middle of the funnel in the marketing automation space. Oh, they yeah, quickly, that, yeah. right? Like they quickly ramped to 4,500 customers or so. And then they launched an agency model. As a matter of fact, even today, 40% of the revenue comes from agency yep. model as opposed to their sales team directly working on it. So it's a so now they their expansion really is more than their sales team, which is which is phenomenal. And you Take one more step, the, la the step, and then this is where it revolves to your point, which is now you get to a platform market fit. You're no longer talking about TAM or segments. You now are talking about customer cohorts. Which of these 100 customers are the customers we want that gives us the most money and we want more of these types of customers? That's really what Terminus is right now. We're like, we got thousands of customers, but there are X number of customers. We're like, oh my God, if we can get more of these customers, we know how to grow them. We can upsell, cross-sell them. I call it upserving them. You can do a lot more things. This is where RevOps oh, like become that. a real thing. Uh, this is where we are prioritizing. And now you're you're going in full expansion to using the HubSpot example to run it off. They are now marketing, sales, customer success, the whole flywheel. 
the 60% of their customers are still coming from free trial, but the 40% of the revenue is uh, coming from agency, which is ridiculous. They have 100,000 plus customer. And so, so it's, a, it's a model that the move frame, but the questions remain the same, but based on the stage of the business, your answers will be different. And that's what we hope to get the, the people to see in the book. Well, one of the things that really sticks out in, in your answers is it hits, you know, we talk about problem market fit, product market fit, and so on, is that, is that companies want to go too fast too soon, it seems like to me, right? Is that, you know, they're in that stage where they're still really figuring out sort of the problem, problem market fit, and they're trying to do too much. Yeah, and I think what's also interesting is we're all we all love Jason Lumpkin and his Saster blog, and people too quickly adopt the metrics that their business doesn't doesn't require them to adopt. Right, right, and that's a a a really painful and unnecessary hardships as a building business itself is not hard enough. Uh, we people start acting like they're in a product market fit before they have it and start hiring more salespeople and trying to like b- before you fix the churn and retention and stickiness which companies should do you're already on the other side of it because you're predicting all awesomeness because you're looking at triple triple quadruple quadruple whatever those like SaaS uh, folks talk about but the reality is having building a business now for a couple of times I'm realizing oh my gosh if every business could focus first on making sure that their retention is in place, they would be such a such more profitable. I, I'll give you a, a, a quick example that I was in a, mm-hmm. um, um, in a VC conversation with a couple of really solid companies. And here's what they said. There, there was this company who's, who, who was about 100 million in, uh, like in revenue, all right? Right. But 100 million in revenue, but their valuation was about like, 700 million or something like that and which is still a good valuation <laughs> well but small these days yes yeah but you know you know like right now it's yeah. it's comparatively not not that much and and their feedback and i was i was like taken away with the candidness in this room there was like if he literally to the ceo and to the team was if you were and i hope everybody kind of tunes in listens and this is this was this is so interesting they said if you, as a business, were a $40 million business today, your valuation will be just as same that we gave you right now or even more. You would probably be a billion-dollar company if your revenue was just $40 million because the rest of your $60 million business is not the business either we want to be in or it's not mm-hmm. predictable. Your cohorts really is the $40 million cohort. That's what we want. If you were shut down then the $60 million part of your business, you would have a higher valuation. The CEO was taken back, the team was taken back, and I think there was a moment of relief, like, oh my God, why are we forcing ourselves as a business to acquire, <laughs> acquire, acquire more, do all right. these crazy, unnatural things to get to some arbitrary number where they could have been a 40 million cash efficient, higher valued company, but now they're 100 million with a heavy load on their back. Well, but it wasn't possible some of that had been driven by their existing investors. Possibly, very possibly, because you're right. right. Like they had like Series C uh, plus. So it's, but, but this is the part of go-to-market is like go-to-market is not about acquisition. Go-to-market is about building efficient growth 
in your business at scale. Right. I mean, it's, it's more of a life cycle thing. It's not a, as you said, it's not the front end, just how do you get your products into the hands of customers, which right. is how most people envision it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you had in your, um, you know, your six truths of, of go to market <laughs> and, and well, we're starting about that truth. Five was retention is the new acquisition. Um, cause it is all about customer lifetime value. Yeah, retention. I mean, that that part is. So we did a study on this. We had a uh, a customer for five hundred bucks a month. Um, like it just as a model, and you know, in spreadsheet, you can have all these fun things to do. If people want to like just test this out, they can take take a look at it. Five hundred bucks a month. Two companies. Two companies are selling similar product in similar market. Five hundred bucks a month. They're growing at the same rate. That means they're acquiring new customers at the same exact rate. But mm-hmm. one company has a negative. 3% churn, monthly churn, and another has a positive 3% monthly churn. Well, guess what? The company with a negative 3% monthly churn, everything else is the same, the unit economics, everything is the same, they're getting the same number of customers, they're probably less than a $150,000 company, whereas somebody who has a positive plus 3% monthly churn, I mean, they're doing better uh, than that, they are, for for uh, for all intensive purposes, they're doing a half million dollar business. So that's really where the the magic is and and so uh, so we at covid really reminded us that retention is truly the the new acquisition yeah and i wanted to dive into the the sixth sixth truth on your uh having a hard time speaking today uh on your on your list which i want you to explain to people because i thought it was, it was uh, both interesting and i was uh, in my notes i was sort of writing these notes like uh, i call it radical common sense you said flywheels are the new funnels. So tell us what you mean by that. You said you don't need a lead funnel. <laughs> yeah, well, the funnels are like the one that got the most rap, right? People talk about funnels all day long, even if you right. don't want to talk about people. People have funnels every day all over the place, right? So to, to, to me, the funnels have been the thing. And I'm like, well, if people want funnels, really, Fine, you instead of funnels, think flywheels, but flywheels are the funnels because the outcome of a funnel that most businesses think is business, is revenue, is is our customers. Well, if you do a flywheel, then you even have a better opportunity to think about it. Just like the move framework, you said it so well, Andy, uh, around this idea that the fly the, the move is not an end. Sir, it's there's no endpoint in it. It's a it's a circular pro- motion of it. You figure mm-hmm. out the market you want to go after. You up op- you figure out a way to operate it effectively, which is retention and operations of the. You figure out how you scale that business so you can figure out when to hire, what not to hire, and and what ratios. And then you figure out where you can expand your business, which is all the areas vertically or regionally and all that stuff. But as soon as you figure that out and you have a new product or a new market to go after, the process starts over again. So it's a circular process. So with the funnel, which is what has been, and you know, flip my funnel and all the things yep, that I've talked yep, about yep, in my life. Yep. I'm like, if you have to stick with the funnel story, so be it. But maybe this time, think about a flywheel as the funnel because funnel, really, what you want is customers and revenue. And I think flywheel is a better way to get there. Yeah, I mean, I love the way you phrase it in the book. You said you have to shift your focus from simply driving lead volume to efficient and effective revenue growth where the goal is to progress opportunities with accounts that are a good fit. <laughs> it's like, yeah, as you know, I've been on the quality over quantity uh, argument for a long time. And 
the way you describe it, just I said it makes shocking sense. <laughs> very few companies, but as you both, you and I both know, very few right. companies actually take take that to heart and do anything about it. Yeah, and it's and it's such a limiting thing for companies. Yeah, I mean they just don't understand, and I, I can't recount the number of conversations I've had with CMOs and CROs and and CEOs who just are fixated on top of funnel as opposed to yeah, let's sell to more accounts that are a great fit for us. So what, where let's talk about the the part of like why do companies fail at go to market as a priority? And I'm just curious to get your thoughts on it because I'm realizing that as much as everybody wants, it is one of those areas where people just don't want to make that as a priority. People will make, oh, let's just create a new product. Let's launch a new feature. Let's launch a new uh, sales incentive. Let's launch a, do an event. But nobody talks about the, R, the, 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 the effort that requires to pull these three teams together. And I remember, Andy, I was having this conversation with another CEO as part of this. And he's like, look, I'm not in the business of building a business. I'm like, well, you're a CEO of the company. You're, you, you no, are in the business a, of building your business. He's building a promotion. That's yeah. what CEOs do. <laughs> right? Exactly. And he's like, I'm no, I'm building my team. This is the, I'm, that's my business. Is if I can build a team that does these things properly, then everything is smooth. So, I, but I, it racks my brain. Like, why don't people spend enough time on go to market? Well, but I think that, I think one of the reasons is just as you said, it's hard, right? And it's, and it takes a type of work that, People typically coming into, especially in startup world, because sort of what we're talking about, but not exclusively. That's yeah, yeah. That's not the fun part, right? Yeah, that's the work I don't want to do. But at your point of the CEO's conversation, it means you have to actually build a company, and <laughs> and it's it's I think analogous to what's happening in sales, where again there's this fixation on just how much crap can we put in the top of the funnel. And we don't really care about win rate because we know if we put enough shit in the top of the funnel, we'll get a certain amount out at the bottom. And so we don't want to sell. We just want to have enough opportunity because we know if we know throw enough crap against the wall, a certain amount will stick. Yeah. So they don't want to do, don't do the hard work of actually selling. And, that, and, and I think that's, that's where creates the, the tension. Now, in the book, and I think I haven't sent you the, the latest uh, uh, early comments on the book. So we obviously said Jeffrey Moore gave his quote on the book um, as to how much this connects with his crossing the chasm and the next. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that. But, the, but, but the second one I got was from Christopher Lockhead. Oh, and yeah. his quote Chris. that I'm going to put on the front of the book is that I love these guys, but I hate the book. <laughs> and I'm going to put that on the front of the book. So you literally would have Jeffrey Moore at the top and Christopher Lockett at the bottom of this book. Uh, love it. Love it. <laughs> so that's, well, yeah. Yeah. No, there's just so much here. I encourage people uh, when the book is out, is buy this book. Um, yeah. Because I, I have to admit, when I first started reading it, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get your definition of go to market, right? I didn't fully, that wasn't fully formed in my, my head. And it's sort of, yeah, I sort of had to like learn and change. It's like, oh, okay, this this makes so much sense. <laughs> um, and I just sort of think on the context of yeah, businesses I've experienced, and it's like, yeah, I think you've I think you've nailed it. Well, I'll uh, let me give you one thing. I, I was at B two B SMX uh, last week doing a talk, and here is the quote that one person gave me. They said that. 
after reading this book, I have realized this one thing that my company is doomed. <laughs> I'm like, uh-oh, that, uh -oh. Is, <laughs> that is not what I'm hoping to get, but that wasn't a quote. And then I got another one that was thankfully uplifting saying that, oh, I would just buy this book for the, the scorecards and the templates. I'm like, okay, well, at least somebody would get some value out of it. But that was just funny how they both came about. Yeah. Well, I think the first one's the one that you want more. That's the reaction you want more people to have. Yeah. Because, yeah, I think that we have, we, you and I certainly talked about this. Yeah, there's a certain number of people that, uh, certain in the startup world that are, aren't looking to build sustainable companies. They're just looking to build promotions uh, that they can sell and exit. But if you're serious about building a company, then, yeah, this whole idea of, of this full cycle of go-to-market and looking at it more holistically, as you said, yeah, it just makes such incredible sense and companies need to pay attention to it. Right on. All right. Well, Sangram, as always, a pleasure to talk with you. It's always and fun with you, man. And I'd uh, love, to, love to keep connecting and talking on this. All right, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my guest, Sangram Vadri, for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can do all that on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this episode is over. So thank you for your help. And as always, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.